The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello, happy Saturday. Welcome back into the Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week podcast. I'm host and audio producer of the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, Stephen Serta. Chiefs travel to Tampa Bay to take on the Buccaneers on Sunday night football. So we've got plenty to get you caught up on ahead of Sunday night's game. We'll kick things off with the Arrowhead Pride Editors Show. They have some marinated takeaways off of last week's upsetting loss against the Indianapolis Colts. After that, it's the Out of Structure podcast. They discuss the Chiefs running game and the offensive line that continues to struggle. After that, the Great British Chiefs Show has our first full preview of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. After that, we're going to take a quick timeout. When we get back, we'll catch up with Chiefs Coast to Coast. They played a game of panic or patience for several key Chiefs players. And then we will finish things up with Show and BK discussing why this Chiefs offensive line has to be a difference maker on Sunday. That's all coming up on today's Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week. Welcome back into the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. You hear the music, you know what it means. It's time <laughs> for those world famous marinated takeaways john i was so excited about marinated takeaways for this loss that i already burned one in the last segment <laughs> so that means you get three and i only have two so as we do every week we'll start with you and then because i've burned my third you will also close in this segment so go oh, ahead. oh wow well that's yeah. a lot of i don't know if i can take all this pressure here um grand i would opening just... grand closing yeah Arrowhead okay at you. well yeah. i'm afraid i'm gonna go kind of on a rant here um, I, I get why people, I get why people are upset about the way the special teams played on Sunday. It is absolutely true that one of the big reasons, perhaps the biggest reason the chiefs lost this game is because of special teams play. What I absolutely disagree with is that Dave Tobe should be on the hot seat as a result. I'm sorry, this is completely wrong. It's completely wrong. It is not Dave Tobe's fault that his kick returner is a rookie. And the idea that we should have an established veteran returning kicks is ridiculous. This is why special teams have rookies on them, so that rookies can find their way into playing in the NFL, adjust to the speed of the game, to learn what it means to play in front of 80,000 people where there isn't quite as much pressure as there is when they have to learn the whole playbook and do all the things that a wide receiver has to do when he's a rookie in Andy Reid's offense. There's a reason that rookies return kicks. We should expect that those rookies are sometimes going to make a mistake. If you think that Sky Moore was going to go through the whole season without making a mistake like this, then you were, frankly, you were a fool. This was going to happen. I'm sorry it happened. You know, I didn't want it to happen, but it was reasonable to expect that it would. That's not Dave's Dave Tobe's fault. Neither is it Dave's to- Dave Tobe's fault that Harrison Butker hurt his ankle, which is the only reason that Matt Amendola was on the field. And once Harrison Butker is hurt, It's not like you can go out and get a guy as good as Harrison Butker to take his place. Let's face it. 
No matter which of the six kickers that Dave Tobe selected last week to take Butker's place for these few games that he's out, one of those guys, any one of those guys, would have been just as likely to perform as, as Amendola did on Sunday. It's not Dave Tobe's fault that there aren't very many good place kickers available, uh, you know, when you have to hire one today. That's just that's just the way it is. This is going to happen. Yeah, Amendola looked great in that first game, but that doesn't mean he's going to be great in the second game because if he was, he'd have a job someplace on somebody's active roster. Yeah, the special teams were bad yesterday. And they caused some problems. But that doesn't mean that Dave Tobe isn't doing a good job or that he should be fired. All right. So I think I agree with you on the, the point as a whole. There's one, one part I might disagree, and I'll explain what I mean. First of all, everyone is entitled to having a bad day and a bad game. Yes. Dave Tobe has been really good at this. Yes. For the most mm-hmm. part mm-hmm. since 2013. Yep. I know. It's a, what are you doing for me, me lately? How did you do in the next game? What's happening? And it's a very reactive league. It's very reactive fan bases, not just in Kansas City, everywhere. Sure. So yeah. you have sure. fans that are, are upset, and, and I, I get it. I think when I just look at this game specifically, the question that I have is this. Sky Moore, and I'm with you, is entitled to make a mistake. It is almost to be expected. Actually, both of these returners made mistakes in this game where yes. mm-hmm. more had the two issues and then Pacheco fell on a right. kick return and probably right. took it out too many times without getting to the 25 or close to it. Right. Whatever. I think my problem with, with yesterday specifically, again, not Dave Tobe as a whole or the fact that he has a job. I think he should have a job and have one for a long time with no problem with Dave. Tobe. This game specifically is sky Moore was rattled and fumbled this punt to begin the game after a really good start by the defense, by the way, it was a a three Mm -hmm, and out. And who knows how the day goes. If Sky Moore doesn't fumble, you leave him out for that second punt. Questionable, right? It didn't work out again. I was stunned that he was left out there. Could you imagine if he had made a third mistake on a punt? He didn't. He, He was able to correct it there. I don't, I mean, I don't know if that was the right. I, I was questioning why Moore was out there even the second time. And not to say that like Sky Moore should never be a punt returner again in the NFL, but maybe like get him back to Kansas City, work on it again, throw him back out there next game. I was a little I was questioning their decision to just leave him out there when it was such a close game. Do you understand what I'm saying? I do. And and I'd like to thank you for reminding me of one of the points I wanted to make during my rant. So now you get to hear that point as well. <laughs> okay. Sky Moore did exactly what he was supposed to do on that second punt return. That punt return was going to come down at what? About the seven or eight yard line. And what you're supposed to do in that circumstance is let it go. Let it go into the end zone. What did Sky Moore do? He acted like he was going to field the punt. And then as the punt came in several yards ahead of where it was, he thought it was going to land. And then as the punt came in, he got the hell out of the way. That's exactly what you're supposed to do. Now, because the ball was downed on the one foot line, everybody assumed that Sky Moore had made a mistake. But in fact, he did exactly what he was supposed to do. It's just that in a percentage of those situations, even if you do the right thing, the ball is going to be uh, downed by the opposing team right at the goal line. It's not Sky Moore's fault or Dave Tobe's fault, for that matter, that the Indianapolis punter kicked that so well that when the ball hit the ground, it bounced straight up in the air and they were able to down it at the one foot line. That's not Sky Moore's fault. He did what he was supposed to do. So I will have to disagree with you on this, Pete, because they left him out there. He did the right thing. And I think it would have sent entirely the wrong message if they'd taken him out after that after he did the right thing on that punt. So maybe I'll I have to watch with you. So maybe I have to watch the play again. To me, it looked like yeah. he was indecisive, but mm, no, I don't think so. I think he did what, exactly what he's supposed to do. I think they're supposed to fake that they're going I to catch it. Yeah. I haven't, I would have to watch it again. You might be right. Um, yeah. Even still, I I'll say this and, and say you are correct on this. I mean, I'm taking more <laughs> out after the first 
I'm taking more out after the first, but look, I'm not a special teams coordinator in the NFL. And there's right. no reason for that. So. Well, neither am I actually, as it turns <laughs> out. All right. My uh, second marinated takeaway, because I burned one before. This is another tough one. I was about 75 or 80% sure before, uh, but now I do feel like I'm above 90% that one way or another, Eric Bieniemy will move on next offseason. It just feels like it's time. Not to say that it's the fault of this happening on Sunday. I think mm-hmm. yeah. I think the Chiefs are probably close to some kind of mutual agreement during this offseason. I think it's getting... I don't even want to say, like, it, it's for one specific reason. It just feels like there's there's tension there. And I don't know how to describe it. It just feels like there's something that isn't right. And what I ended up doing here, John, is I, I thought about Eric Bieniemy not being here. I made a list of those who may not be here, just even player-wise. And it's long. So if I don't think Bieniemy right. is going to be here, that just begins it. But I also don't know if Orlando Brown is going to be here. Frank Clark, Juan Thornhill, Carlos Dunlap, Juju Smith-Schuster, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who is struggling. That's another underrated. Right. Mm-hmm. McCole yep. Hardman, Clyde Edwards-Elaire. I don't know if any of these guys are going to be here. And as I was just thinking about this, this is the beauty of marinated takeaways, I just... I wonder if we're going to look back in time five years from now as 2022. I got to remember the year 2022 being (laughs) this year that ends up being this like really grand transition period for the Chiefs where you look at that year and, you know, maybe it doesn't end up as a championship. I mean, I hate to Mm -hmm. be the one to say this. Right. But you almost look at this year as one of those necessary evils. Maybe it's a playoff year that they exit in the first or second game just not exactly the right feel but it was a necessary transition year to establish a consistent team from 2023 moving forward because i just think there's a lot of people and players here right now that won't be here in future years and it i don't know i'm i'm this is me just wondering out loud if this is just what it is where this isn't going to be one of those years that we've seen in previous years where the Chiefs get to the playoffs and they're expected to be a Super Bowl team. I think it might be one of those, let's see what they can do in the dance type of years. And you have to have those in the course of a franchise. They're not as fun. There's not, they're right. not as fun right. as the other no. years. Uh-uh. But I think they're necessary evils to having success in the long term. And yesterday's situation got me thinking along that path. Well, if that were to happen, what we would expect to see going into that year, what would we expect to see? We'd expect to see a whole bunch of rookies, right? Yeah. And you'd expect to see some rookies from the previous season who were doing very well. And you'd expect to have a bunch of rookies coming in next year. All three of those things are true. Yeah. So I, I don't I think you might be onto something here in years to come. We might look back on this year and say, oh, yeah, this was the transition to the to the real uh, second Patrick Mahomes era. You know, we've talked about that being the beginning this season, but maybe it's not going to start until 2023, you know, after uh, this this current crop of rookies finds their way this season uh, and so on. Um I think there's I think there's some validity to that idea uh, that we might see that, Pete. I, I just, you know, on the other hand, they could be contending this season. They could end up with the second seed or the first seed in the AFC and and well, challenge I for mean, the Super Bowl. If, you know, we don't know. One thing, if there's one thing we learned yesterday, it's that we don't know what the hell we're talking about. So <laughs> that just well, goes that's, to show. that's that's certainly true. Um, All right. And, let's go, and, to, your, let's go yeah. to your second marinated takeaway. Yeah, and mine is is uh, is I'm just going to assume that I don't know. I'm just going to say what's going on with Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, I I don't I don't understand um, what's really going on here. We had every indication that he was building chemistry with receivers like uh, Marquez Valdez Scantling and Juju Smith Schuster and Justin Watson, and then we get to a game like yesterday, and he just doesn't seem to have that connection with any of them. Um, you know, he finally got a big play out of Juju, uh, on Sunday, but that was the first time we'd seen that in three games. Um, I'm just, you know, I'm just a little concerned about, uh, what's really going on here, but I I think that it's worth mentioning 
again, uh, I kind of previewed a little bit of this marinated takeaway earlier in the show, just like you did, Pete. Uh, I think it's fair to point out the desperation factor that the the Indianapolis Colts had going for them yesterday. And let's not forget, they got Stephon Gilmore back there. You know, they've got some good players in that defense. And maybe it's just as simple as that, that that's a better team than the Chiefs were expecting and that we were expecting. And that was the result that we saw. Um, Certainly, we all thought that uh, Patrick Mahomes would shred Gus Bradley's defense. I think Jared Sapp pointed out in his prediction uh, over the weekend that Patrick Mahomes was six and one against Gus Bradley as a defensive coordinator. And if I were Gus Bradley, I'd go into that game saying, I'm going to figure out a way to stop Patrick yeah. Mahomes. It's the last thing I ever do. You know, right. if, if you got pundits saying stuff like that. So uh, I think that has to be part of the evaluation here, but I think it's a fair question. What's going on with Patrick Mahomes? I, I, I think it's fair. I was happy to see Juju break out. I think that was a long time coming. I was waiting to see it in a game. Looked like just another reliable receiver for Patrick Mahomes. He didn't get in the end zone, like I said on on my parlay. My parlay was horribly wrong this week. <laughs> Sorry to all the. We won week one. I was yeah. like, this is going to be great for Chiefs fans. I'm going to win the money every week. And now I've been horribly <laughs> wrong two weeks in a row. So sorry to everybody. Welcome but to Juju Smith-Schuster. Juju Smith-Schuster, in a sense, broke out as a Chief, which I thought wasn't important. I do feel like Marquez Valdez-Scantling looks a little bit lost out there. Now, there was a play early in the game where Patrick Mahomes, to me, clearly overthrew him. But right. we don't necessarily know everything that goes into that, right? Is it, why is the timing off? I, we're not exactly sure. It did look like it was Mahomes' fault. But just in general, um, I'm wondering if Valdez-Scantling is going to be this player we thought. Remember, like, the storyline with Valdez-Scantling was he's just looked as a deep threat in Green Bay. I mean, he's not even that right now for the Chiefs. It's just mm-hmm. a non-reliable receiver that doesn't look a lot different to me than like a Demarcus Robinson or a Byron Pringle, which is very disappointing for what we expected in, in Marquez. Not to pick on him, but to pick on him a little bit. I just think <laughs> we expected more to this point, and I think that plays into your point, and, uh, and that actually transitions me nicely into my final merited takeaway, and it's partially borrowed from our new contributor, Price Carter, who did a really nice job outlining this idea that maybe the Chiefs missed Tyreek Hill, and maybe it's okay for us to say that. And when I say that, and this is another player I'm talking on the field, I do not think the Chiefs miss that there is something necessary to be said. What is the podcast name? Uh, it uh, had to be said. Had to be said. I don't know yeah. if everything needs to be said. I'm talking yeah. about on the field Tyreek Hill. <laughs> now, when I say that, I think as we were saying about the transition year, there's an adjustment period here to not having one of the most explosive sure. players in the NFL. They were okay week one. You'd see teams making adjustments where week two, they played a pretty good Chargers defense. We thought was pretty good. Like blown out by the Jaguars yesterday. So who knows about anything in the NFL, but that was pretty good against the chiefs. So you expected them to come in this game and to have the success that, that we saw and not to be. And so for me, I just, I'm wondering if there there's some growing pains of not having one of the best receivers in the NFL. And like, as I say that you're almost thinking, well, of course, right. Mm-hmm. And as I go yeah. back to my list of that, that second marinated takeaway that I had, when you think about the fact that maybe Juju and Marquez won't maybe be here, you know, I, I, I think the chiefs really need to get one of these receivers in the draft and one of those premier receivers. And if they keep picking in the twenties, they're going to have to trade up to do it. I have thought, again, in those 20 snaps, Trent McDuffie looks great. George Karloftis looks great. Mm-hmm. At some point here, I think because of the money you've spent at other positions, because of the money you've spent on Patrick Mahomes, you might have to trade up to try to go get somebody like Tyree Kill. Like Brad Feach has been really good at evaluating these players. Man, it, it would be outstanding if the Chiefs, for example, had Jamison Williams, that Alabama receiver who's on the Detroit Lions PUP, who really looks like this world beater. We'll see if it transitions to the NFL. But there's really nobody in the woodwork where you're like, okay, here comes the reinforcement. Trades like that don't really happen in the NFL. You don't see it a ton. So this is the cast this year. And I think the Chiefs are really missing that go-to guy, the guy after Travis Kelsey, because I'm just not sure that Juju and Marquez are that. And so, again, on the field, and I agree with Price, great write-up, by the way, at ourheadpride.com. I think it's fair to admit that right now, and it could change by the time the playoffs roll around, the Chiefs 
do miss Tyree Kill. It's also early, but you know who the Chiefs' most efficient pass catcher has been so far this season? It's my guy, Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Yes, sir. Caught 12 of 12 targets, and they're not all just dump-offs and screen passes. Uh, As you noted, we've seen him on uh, some of those angle routes, uh, the Texas route earlier. Uh, This is a guy who is an accomplished pass catcher and a reliable target. Maybe he needs some more targets. Yeah, no, I I think they're giving him an appropriate amount of targets. Maybe they could sprinkle in a little more. Um, but yeah, I mean the screen game has worked really really well too, uh, you know. And and it's just been it's been good to see that because it's it's an emphasis, right? It's it's something that they, they seem to be you know on on important plays they seem to be pulling it out. You know, the angle route this week was in the red zone and got them down to the one yard line, and eventually he scored on a run. So yeah, it, it's good to see them utilizing him in that way because. Uh, you know, as, as maybe we'll get into with with uh, football time, Polly's question at PD San Chief, um, and I'll ask, and I'll ask it in a second. But you know, that's his strengths, right? Because you know, I, I think right now we're seeing maybe some 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 uh, some lacks in the running game a little bit. But the offensive line isn't helping him either, so it, it's kind of a tough time for all the the entire running game. Uh, yeah, a lot was made about there. Clyde not having any rushing yards this week, but right, he did have 39 yards receiving on five targets and five catches. I, I think that five to seven target range per game, you know, is probably the the standard going forward for Clyde. And I'd like to see him, you know, have some more opportunities in wheel routes and, and down the down the yeah. field stuff a little bit too, because he is a guy that can do that for you and and make people miss and run people over in space a little bit more than maybe he can close to the line of scrimmage as as you alluded to. So go ahead with that next question. Yeah. Football time, Polly asks, is it time for Rojo to be that straight-ahead runner as opposed to the, the find and opening run into the back style of Clyde? And and I, I'll, I'll run down his stats real quick. He had seven carries, no rushing yards. His longest run was four yards. And, and Nate Tice actually pointed this out, but the three running backs combined only had one carry out of their 17 carries that went for a first down. Um, pretty disastrous performance from the run game. But I do think the offensive line has a lot to blame. You know, I actually posted a, 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 a clip of Clyde's ugly run, which was a negative run. And, and it's easy to look at, you know, there's a cutback lane there. And, and the thing I pointed out is that Clyde's super slow to get to it. And it kind of screws up the entire play. And on outside zone, you need to hammer those cutback lanes because that's how you get the defense to kind of, uh, you know, not, re- not overflow to the outside as much, you know, on, on future plays. But he's just so slow to the cutback. But smarter people than me on Twitter have, have come back and kind of, you know, I'm, I'm learning here and, and they've taught me well. And, and that's where I want to kind of maybe, you know, maybe we should lay off Clyde a, a little more and, and maybe put more blame on this offensive line that's supposed to be dominating a lot more. The penetration, you know, Creed initially has completely throws off Clyde's path and it, and, and it makes him, you know, have to kind of, you know, reshuffle what he's doing. But also the play calling too. the shotgun, the shotgun runs out on outside zone. And, and Jason Dunn actually was the first one who replied to me, shout out him, um, you know, and, and, and explaining this to me how, you know, from the shotgun, he's running horizontally. His shoulders are completely turned, you know, running to the sideline. It's really hard to see that cutback lane, you know, from that position and cut all the way back to it. If he was running from an under center position or even in a pistol set, right? you know, you're not running, you're running with your shoulders more square to the line of scrimmage and you can see that cutback lane that's there. And so it's easy for me, uh, you know, uh, from the film to say, okay, you know, he needs to get to that cutback lane quicker or, and, and this is a five yard run instead of a negative two yard run. But again, I, I really think the offensive line, you know, they gave up a lot of penetration in the run game. You know, uh, they, they just were not, you know, creating space for the backs specifically this game. And, and so that's where I, I do want to give, you know, Clyde a little uh, slack. But I do think Rojo could help, I, I, you know, to get back to, I guess, his question is, I do think Ronald Jones could help with some of that downhill run game um, and, and get, you know, maybe more yards than, than uh, you know, when it is that clouded up box sometimes uh, that we saw on Sunday. Ronald Jones could help. I don't know. What do you think about the run game? What do you think about yeah, the offensive line? I, I don't know about Ronald Jones helping. Uh, I, I yeah. think he's somebody that, that – He's going to have a lot of those runs that don't go anywhere, right? He's going to get stopped in the backfield more often. Um, and the Chiefs don't – they just so far haven't been willing to run a lot of that uh, power, right. you know, block stuff. They keep trying to run outside zone with with players ill-equipped to do it, and I'm not sure that – I'm not sure that Rojo is going to be any better at that outside zone issue. Uh, maybe Pacheco would be somebody who they need to figure out a way to to get him loose a little bit. Uh, uh, rather than Rojo, I don't know. 
Yeah, well, and that's the thing. I, yeah, I wouldn't want them to use Jones in the same way they've been using the running backs. But yeah, I think if they were to, you know, and we've talked about it forever, but if they were to ever say, flip their mindset, like say, hey, look, we need to be more downhill about our run game. You know, I think Jones would probably, you know, help in that instance, but that's the only thing he really helps. in. so he's pretty one dimensional. So that's where, you know, the benefit of having him up is kind of, you know, it makes you a little one dimensional, takes away in the pass game, but Either way, I, I do think he'd be taking advantage of some downhill runs uh, if they ever did do it more than uh, a guy like Clyde does. But Clyde is still better downhill than he is on these, again, horizontal. You know, he, he, they're just not what Clyde does right, the outside zone runs. Yeah, Pacheco is an interesting case, though, again, because he's somebody that just really has not gotten going. He had a little bit of, a little bit of juice in the opener, like the rest of the offense, and really has done nothing since then on very limited carries. Right. Uh, he had two carries for six yards uh, against the Chargers, and uh, you know he, he's had he's averaging three two three yards a carry uh, in in this season so far. Uh, I wonder why they haven't been able to get him going as explosive as he's been in in very limited looks. Uh, otherwise, it just doesn't seem like he they've gotten it in the games yet. Yeah, I do think. They must not, you know, necessarily like what they're seeing on the limited snaps he has. I do think there have been some vision questions, but I think every running back has had them. So that's why it's not really a great excuse to keep him off the field. But at the same time, you know, Clyde and Jarek are eating a lot of snaps up. They're both, play- you know, Jarek's playing more than Clyde um, in terms of total snaps. So I think it's just more that they they have a, a lot of, you know, they they have those two veteran guys helping them in the offense, and and you know maybe Pacheco hasn't proven enough to force mm-hmm. the t- the touches right now. Yeah, I haven't seen a lot from McKinnon either. I mean, he, he's really right. been, uh, you know, he's, he's really been limited in getting going. And you're right. At some point, you got to say, okay, if none of the running backs can get going, there's something going on with the blocking or, or the scheme uh, as opposed to every single one of these running backs being inept. So this week, McKinnon averaged 2.9, Pacheco averaged 3, uh, Clyde averaged 0 on his carries. <laughs> but also – nobody's getting a, a bulk of carries, right? So they yeah. only carried the ball. They had 23 rushes this week in a close game with Mahomes having four of those uh, and Kelsey having one. So there's, it's not like they're trying to run the ball on a consistent basis and failing. They're not trying that much and failing <laughs> as well. Yeah, and so that's where we can jump to KS Chaser chasing hashtag Chiefs Kingdom games at KS Chaser 1's question on why is this offensive line so offensive to the Chiefs right now? Uh, yeah, I, 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 th- I think they they do deserve a lot of the, the blame because Stags, I mean, and, and this is something I, I tweeted about, but, you know, how often do you hear a guy like Peter Schrager on NFL Game Day or just any of these national media pundits kind of talk about you know, just kind of offhandedly mention the Chiefs offensive line as maybe the best in the league and, and how, you know, they have a dominant, you know, a unit. Have, has, have they lived up to that expectation for you this season so far? Because they haven't to me. And, and I know, you know, I know the answer is probably no. Um, but it's just, are they, I, 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 I'm starting to question, you know, did we, did we jump the gun on calling them, you know, that, that great of a unit? Uh, are they just not having a great uh, stretch of games? You know, you know, right tackle Andrew Wiley, you know, is, is quite the, you know, it, it can be quite the weak spot. And that's what, you know, your offensive line a lot of, a lot of times is just about the weak spots. But even the big names aren't performing well so far, as we've already kind of talked about. So, yeah, I, I'm not, you know, I, I think the offensive line has definitely impacted, you know, the offensive past two games, uh, their effectiveness. Yeah, I mean, I think Creed has been a little bit below his standard that he set right. last year. Trey Smith has been battling an ankle injury and – and has been a little bit less effective as well. Uh, and yeah, that uh, Wiley certainly has struggled. Uh, Orlando Brown has struggled some himself, and we'll talk about that in just a minute. But there's there's been struggles across the offensive line. Uh, you know, on one hand, Mahomes only been sacked twice so far this year, right? So right. You can't say, well, they're averaging less than one sack allowed per game. That's typically it's obviously a very surface measurement, but it's typically one of the things you would look at is, Hey, is Mahomes taking a whole bunch of sacks? Well, Mahomes is pretty good at avoiding a sack that should be a sack and, and turning it into just a pressure. So I, I'm yeah. sure the pressure numbers aren't as good as, as the sacks allowed. Yeah. Well, no, you're right. Actually. I, I don't have the updated stat, but I know last week he had uh, one of the lowest uh, pressure or uh, rate of pressures turned into sacks. So, 
I definitely think uh, there is something to that. But and that's the thing, you know, even under pressure this year, he's still playing very well statistically. You know, I, I think, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't say against the Colts, he looked, he looked good against pressure. But the stats, I think from week one, kind of boosted up his stats versus pressure this year. But aim down sites on, on Twitter also asked, do we let Orlando Brown Jr. walk this offseason and rebuild our tackle position? So this is, I think, a little bit overreactionary, um, you know, to, to pretty early in the season. But, you know, he didn't have his greatest game, Stags. And, and I thought I've, I've, I've liked what I've seen so far going into this game. I can't defend him too much in this game, but I still think, you know, I still think there was a little, it was a little overblown on, on just maybe tripping over, you know, a tight end's foot, um, you know, on one play and, and maybe people using that as a way to kind of say he had a bad game. I don't know. What did you think about, or what do you think about Brown right now? Where do you sit on Brown? Yeah, you know, I, I was definitely pro signing him to a long-term contract, uh, largely because there's not a lot of better options out there and he's still young and the price is only going to go up the longer you wait to sign him to a deal. Obviously, there's been some things, uh, again, as we just mentioned, with every offensive lineman so far this year, there's been some struggles. You could talk about last week where I thought he played pretty well against a really good Chargers front. And then this week, he certainly did not play as well against a yeah. uh, not as good of a front. I mean, there's still some guys on Indianapolis's front, and I think maybe we underestimated them just a little bit coming into this week. Yeah. But he certainly – I saw somebody on Twitter throw out the Cam Irving reference. Uh, and I think that comes strictly from having a, a play highlighted on Twitter where you're falling. Um, that, you know, clearly, I think a lot of people miss the fact that he stepped on Bell's foot, or not Bell, but Gray's foot there, right? Mm-hmm. Or, or, or tripped over him uh, in his back pedal and lost his balance. He was not physically dominated there. That was a, uh, you know, that was a fluke thing. But, Giving up too much pressure, I think that's true. Uh, giving up too many hits, um, sure. You know, and I think you've got the PFF numbers on that, but I, I feel like, you know, Mahomes has been under duress, and it's really the stats don't matter to me as much as how Mahomes looks and, and how much he trusts that offensive line. Right. And you can see just based on the eye test, Mahomes really doesn't feel as comfortable as he should given the second year of what we thought was a really good offensive line. Anyway, let's get on to the game because um, this is the game that I have built up in my mind that this is the actual replay of the Super Bowl. And it's the re- it's the re- not the replay, but the rematch of the Super Bowl because I have wanted this game so badly for Mahomes to play lights out against Tom Brady to show that Super Bowl 55 was an absolute fluke, right? That's what I've got playing in my mind over and over and over again. And I'm sure there's some Chiefs fans out there as well thinking, God, I would love to get one over over on Brady right now. And this is one of those games I circled at the beginning of the season that I really, really wanted to witness. And coming into this game now, I'm kind of freaking out a little bit. (laughs) Because after seeing how the Chiefs played against the Colts, I'm a little bit concerned about this game. Let's be honest, because... um, the the books, yes, there's been a lot of talk about their offensive side having a little few, you know, few hiccups here and there. And the offensive line has been kind of sort of depleted recently. And they've had a suspension with Mike Evans. Um, Julio Jones is they, they, I don't think Julio Jones played last game, did he? Don't know, to be honest. I can't remember. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. It's all a blur at the minute. The mountain is, is. Yeah, I, I to be honest, I didn't watch the Packers Bucks game. <laughs> like Great. I, I, I drank far too many beers at the arrowheads have brought me up that I, I, ba- I barely made it home to be honest did you <laughs> yeah, oh, was, yeah. you are oh, another meetup arrowheads abroad meetup we did have an arrowheads abroad meetup yeah the curse is real yeah the is we're now 10 and 8 <laughs> 10 and 8 all time which oh. is which is worse than Andy Reid's record since wow. he's been in Chiefs yeah I mean it's a winning record yeah, it's it's like <laughs> it's almost like we're the Titans. Yeah, middle of the road, just just you know, just every now and again, just just getting a few wins going a little run. But yeah, yeah. Um, this game, I I don't feel the same way about it as you do. Like I, to be honest, I hadn't even given the Super Bowl a thought Did you until not? you mentioned it. Then, Sorry. like, <laughs> it just didn't cross my mind. Like that game is just it doesn't count. It was a non-Super Bowl, wasn't it? it? It just doesn't count. Yeah, it doesn't. Like, it was a non-Super. There was no, there was no platform in what 
for the Chiefs to beat beat the Bucks that night. It just wasn't there. The offensive line wasn't there. It was a Chiefs defense that couldn't stop bloody Gronk for Christ's sake, an yeah. aging Gronk. It just it it wasn't there. It doesn't exist. I've I've literally erased that game from my memory until you said it then. Well done. It's a one team Super Bowl, wasn't it? That's what that was. Yeah, basically. That's what it felt like. It just yeah. felt like the books turned up. As good as yeah, it was like the other team didn't even bother to get off the bus. But uh, but this but- game, this game does not carry the same Brady versus Mahomes magic as it has before. And I think no, and like this is most likely. I know we've said this before. Most likely, the last time Brady and Mahomes will play each other. <laughs> Who said that for the past five years? I know. Oh, this, yeah, five years. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I think I'm ninety nine percent sure this will be the last time. They play each other because I don't think both teams are going to make the Super Bowl. No, and Brady's surely going to retire after this year. Do you know what? I actually think surely. he'll retire midway through. No, he won't. That's that's ludicrous. Um, Do you not think? No, I after think everything that's going on off the field, that's ludicrous. No, no. Oh, well, I might put a bet right. on. But this will be the last time. But it just doesn't feel very special. Every other time Mahomes has played Brady, it's felt really special. Mm. Like it's felt like this is what you want. And it's been big build-up. Everyone's looking forward to this week when you get Mahomes versus Brady. Right now, they just doesn't feel the same. Is it because the offences, both offences aren't playing very well? Mm. Is it because the Bucks don't have any receivers or they haven't had any receivers? They do now. The Chief, they do now, yeah. The Chiefs' offence hasn't been particularly great. We've just both come off losses, them to the Packers, us to the Colts. Mm. Probably not the powerhouses in football either, which is no. fair to say. Like before, when the, the Patriots played the Chiefs, they were powerhouses. Even when we played in 2020 season, that week's 12 matchup, whatever it was, mm-hmm. everyone was excited because both teams were pretty good. Yeah. Right now, it seems like there's obvious problems with both teams. The, the Bucks offensive line, the Chiefs offensive line. It's a mirror image, mate. It, it, they are basically the same team, and I just don't mm-hmm. think it carries much of the usual pizzazz of a, a Mahomes-Brady matchup. Yeah, I mean, you're right about the offense. I mean, the previous game uh, against the Packers, uh, the, the Bucks failed to convert on third down uh, quite often. Uh, it was two out of 11 third downs. Jesus, that's almost as bad as the Broncos. That's terrible, isn't it? And, <laughs> yeah. and when you think you've got somebody like Brady who uh, you know he prides himself on, on plays like that, especially on third down, um, you know, two out of 11 were, were completed. Um, but Mike Evans weren't playing. Chris Godwin wasn't playing. They literally, the he literally line was had no one. Yeah. He, it was like he was playing in New England again when, when he had no one to throw the ball to. <laughs> sure, he left New England for this just to get out of the way of all of that. <laughs> yeah. It, um, but I think both teams are a defensive teams right now. Yeah. I just said it. Mm. I think right now the Bucks and the Chiefs, both teams are... Their strengths are in the defense. And I don't think it's outlandish to say about the Chiefs, and it's certainly not outlandish to say about the Bucks. Well, they've played three games this season, and what they've conceded, what, 27 points or something like that? Yeah, is that all they've conceded? Crazy, isn't it? In three, three games. games. Against, and against the Saints, the Packers, and Cowboys. Cowboys. Like, yeah. that's pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty damn good, especially good. when you think that, you know, like you said, you know, they've they've been missing players and the O line's been leaky as hell. And, and the defense has been to... on the field a lot. The well, defense yeah, exactly. A hell of a lot. But they seem to get Tom Brady back on back on the field as quick as they can. I know. I I the Chiefs are gonna struggle. If they struggle to move the ball against the Colts and they struggle to score touchdowns against the Colts, they're gonna struggle against this Bucks defense. Yes. And I'm just hoping that like the Colts were kind of a caged animal. Last week, just say a caged pussy cat. Let, let's <laughs> let, let, let's 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 kind of hope like the Chiefs are like a caged Titan. Like let's yeah. go into mythology here, We're a Titan, and we need to like unlock the Titans. And let's kind of hope that, that that's where Mahomes is at right now, and they managed to find a way to do it against this dreaded Bucks defense. It is devastating <laughs> yeah. defense. Because, I mean, you were saying there about those three games. The the most they've given away in a game this year is fourteen points. And that was to Aaron Rodgers. And that was to <laughs> self-certified yeah. greatest quarterback of all time. <laughs> Self-claimed that one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean that. That's. I'm. I'm not looking forward to seeing uh, the. You know the Chiefs' offense against this Bucks defense because um, 
like I said, if we can't handle the Colts, this Bucks defense is devastating. It's probably one of the number one in the league right now. It's that good. Yeah. I want to I know I just said how good they are, but then I've just kind of had a thought about this Bucks defense and who they've been playing. Mm. They play Cooper Rush for the Cowboys. <laughs> they play Jameis Winston. We like James and, Winston. Sorry? We like Jameis Winston. Yeah, but yeah, but we like him for comedic values. That's why. <laughs> yeah, we do, yeah. Where was the pain, Jameis? Yeah, just pain. It was pain everywhere. And then they played Aaron Rodgers, who has no receivers. So I think it's fair to say that this is the best offense that the Bucks will come up against. Yeah, so far. So yeah. far this yeah. season, anyway. And it's probably also fair to say that this is the best defense that the Chiefs offense will come up against. Mm -hmm. So who knows? I'm finding this such a hard game to call. And I think the stadium makes such a difference on where I, where I, if this game's played in Tampa, I expect Tom Brady to win. If this game's played in Minneapolis or any neutral site, then my money's on the Chiefs. Yeah. Um, it's like we were saying, it's a mirror image. It's, it's com- the comparisons are very much the same. And, but at the moment, I think, <laughs> dare I say it, but this could be one on special teams. <laughs> it was the best special teams right now. <laughs> Buck has got to be back, right? You are. Buck has got to be back, surely. I know we signed a kicker. We signed as- a, yeah, who do we get from the Jets? Was it? Uh, no, that was Amandola, who we got before. I think he's oh, Matt God, Wright yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Uh, Used to be the the, oh, from the, Jags. the Jacks kicker, yeah, yeah the yeah. Jacks kicker. So, yeah, yeah. but yeah. The, how um, what a turn of events, eh? If this game's won on a Sky Moore punt return, <laughs> or or a Justin Reed field goal, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I I think I I think the stadium decides everything for me. It's a coin flip. It really is a coin flip. Two two Minnesota, teams coming off right? bad losses. Yeah. Two teams that have quarterbacks that are meant to be go down as one and two eventually when both uh, careers are all said and done. Mm. Um, I just, just saying that, do you think the books have a say in whether they want to keep the game at their stadium or not? They must have no, a say. They can't. They're like, obviously they can, they can say, oh, the stadium is fine. We have the staff in place, but surely it's got to come down to the NFL getting advice from the county from, from the city itself to say whether it's safe or not. Yeah, but the books could lose out on a lot of revenue out of this. If I mean, I'm not, you know, I, I completely agree that it should be, you know, moved and elsewhere. But surely, as a, from a business perspective, from the books, you know, mindset is we're going to lose quite a lot of ticket sales here for the books game, and we're going to lose every all the revenue that comes from game day money and all the food. Yeah, and but that's being done and everything. So. But the Bucks are owned by the Glazers, who also own Man United. So if the Glazers become poorer, yes. so does Man United. So I'm kind of happy about that. You're all right with that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, move it, NFL. Move it, move it Roger, move it. <laughs> oh, all right, then. Uh, should we go with predictions? Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm actually going for the Chiefs loss and I, I feel dirty. I'm going to have a shower about it. Uh, I've gone Chiefs 17, Bucks 21. No, Chiefs more, the Chiefs score more than 20, uh, 17 points. They have to. Well, they they, they should the have Colts. had more. <laughs> they should have had more last week. They absolutely should have had more last week. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say this game gets played in a neutral site. Yeah. Because I think it's the obvious choice. It has to happen. Um, an indoor stadium which will help Patrick Mahomes. If that's the case, I think the Chiefs win 28-21. Right. So another close game, but yeah. the Chiefs edge in that way with a... Yeah. Uh, no, that's... They that, need that's, to win. They, 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 they need to win. Like, our, our following two games are the Raiders and the Bills. Mm. So if you drop you drop this game to the Bucks, you're at two and two, and then you say you beat the Raiders and then you lose to the uh, Bills, you're at three and three. You, you want to be above 500. Yeah, you don't like five hundred in the AFC this year isn't going to get you any win at the number one seed. So you need to carry on winning games. Mm. And if we if we can go into that that Bills game with a little bit of a buffer at four and one, then that enables us a little bit of a wiggle room. So I think it's a big game for the Chiefs. I feel like it's a bigger game for the Chiefs than it is for the Bucks because I feel I think the Bucks will get good, will, will become good regardless, mm. and they're in a division that absolutely sucks as well. Yeah. So they're going to be fine. 
let's quickly get through this. This is uh, Panic or Patience here on Chiefs Coast to Coast, episode 26, Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. Aaron Ladd here, joined by luxurious Mr. Mark Gunnels on the West Coast. I saw that video you posted over the weekend with your chest out. That's nasty, bro. I mean, you know. You That's know. nasty, dog. That's nasty. You know, when Panic. I get my fresh, fresh cut, you know, I'll be feeling myself a little bit. Ah, I just got one, too. Needed that. Panic or Patience on... On <laughs> some certain Chiefs, uh, this one kind of obvious. Sky Moore had the muffed punt. Andy Reid even said going into Indianapolis, they had a specific list of plays designed to get him going, and it just didn't work out that way. Panicking or, or, or being patient with Sky Moore? I'm being patient, but I'm getting very irritated because I even said before the season, I didn't expect him to be heavily involved in the offense for the first six, seven games. But I also didn't expect him to have less than 10% of the snaps either. <laughs> like, there was some middle ground in my mind, and it's not being uh, accommodated for me at all. I mean, he had, what, nine snaps last game? I think against the Chargers, he only had two snaps. Like, what are we doing here? Especially when McCole Hardman clearly isn't 100%. He's hobbling every game at a certain point. I-, I just don't understand why you can't incorporate him a little bit more. I'm not asking him to play... 70% of the snaps, but it can I at least get 30%? 40? I mean, is that too much to ask for? So, yes, I don't like that at all. And like I said before, I'm not sure why he's returning punts. He literally did not do this one time in college. So why is he doing it now when you have, well, I guess he's not 100% healthy, but McCole Harmon should be the one doing it because he's actually really good at that. He, he made all pro as a punt returner. He's really good at it. I don't understand it. It literally makes no sense to me. And don't give me the, well, McCall Hardman is too involved in the offense now to do punt returns. He has, what, five catches all year? I, uh, I'm i with you on the punt return thing. I, I would rather put somebody back there who has a little bit more confidence because that, to me, is what it boils down to with Sky. You see the potential there. You saw what he did at the college level. Um, it's week three of his rookie season. I saw it in preseason with Sky. I mean, that toe tap in Chicago shows you that this guy can do it at a professional level. It's just a matter of knocking out the jitters. He's a rookie. This is Andy Reid's system. It's a tough system for guys. If you look at McCole Harbin's numbers, uh, when he was a younger player, give it some time. Uh, I, I give it some time while, on Skyboard. I got another guy down here. It's Rashad Fenton on the defensive side of the ball. Allowed four catch, or excuse me, allowed five catches on five targets for 48 yards and a 106.7 quarterback rating when targeted by that noodle arm quarterback, Matt Ryan, down in Indianapolis. Are you panic or patience on Rashad Fenton? The only reason I'm going to say patience is because Trent McDuffie is out. If Trent McDuffie wasn't out and this was still happening, I would say panic because we've seen this trend before with Fenton, especially he gets a lot, he gets really grabby at times. I mean, you can count on him getting a holding or pass interference one, once every two games. It's going to happen. He's undersized. Um, he seems to not get his head around at times. But I do believe when McDuffie is back and what Watson has shown so far, I, I do think his snaps may decrease a little bit. So he's not as, um, what I can I say, not as important per se. And then also, I, I really am high on McDuffie to the point where I'm putting him on opposing team's best receiver. I know I've only seen one game in preseason and training camp. I get all of that. But there's some guys you can just tell they're ready from day one. And in limited time, he never got targeted. Like, you didn't have to worry about him at all, which is why I was so, so disheartened when he got hurt because I wanted to see the progression as the season went on, especially in the early part, but luckily it wasn't as bad as it looked at the time. So when he gets back, I think everybody gets in place. So I'm not going to panic on that just because Trent McDuffie is gone. I'll go opposite side on you on this. I'm panicked on Rashad Fenton purely because of what the Chiefs have told us. We talked with defensive backs coach Dave Merritt during training camp, and he talked about how excited he was to have Fenton back, who was ahead of schedule coming back from that off-season surgery he was going to be somebody that the unit looked to for leadership and he's playing next to these rookies <laughs> these rookie corners who uh have not played snaps in the national football league and he's the one that's getting picked on 
and allowing over a hundred quarterback rating. I'm a little nervous about Rashad Fenton. And, and another that part of that is because Trent McDuffie is out. We, you can go ahead and say, oh, well, he's on IR and he'll be back for this, but uh, no two rehabs are the same. Uh, I, I'm waiting to see what McDuffie looks like when he gets back. And in the meantime, I'm worried about Rashad Fenton. Last one is on the offensive side again, and it's Orlando Brown. You mentioned it, man. There was a couple plays in there where it was a little uh, tough footing, I guess I'll say. three Allowed three hits, six hurries, and two penalties in three games. Panic or patience on uh, Orlando Brown? Panic, 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 panic. Um, Orlando Brown, he's shown in the past to struggle against speed pass rushers. Obviously, he came from Baltimore, which is a very heavy run system. Coming to Kansas City, the complete opposite, <laughs> to say the least. So I was hoping in year two, and like I said before, it is early. It's only week three, going to week four. But based on what I've seen so far, he has not improved. And actually, he looks a little worse, <laughs> surprisingly. And it's really mind-boggling to me because this is a guy that's playing for a contract. He turned down what I thought was a pretty good offer for his play, but he wants to be you know, a top-paid left tackle. He wants to reset the market, and he's done nothing so far that indicates he's worthy of that at all, at all. I mean, at this point, I'm not even sure the Chiefs even want to tag him and bring him back. That's how bad he's been looking. I'm not even exaggerating because it's, he's really hindering this offense. There's plenty of times where he gets beat and it forces Mahomes to get off his spot and it just messes up the whole rhythm of the offense. And we know Andy Reid's offenses are really timing and rhythm based. Now, Mahomes is really good at off script stuff, so he can make things look pretty when it's really going bad. But do you really want to live like that? So, yes, I'm panicking Orlando Brown right now. I'm not sure if he's in his own head trying to prove that he's worth top dollar at left tackle. But he looks even worse than last year because last year I thought he was pretty solid. But through three weeks, he's arguably been probably been the worst offensive lineman on the team, either him or Wiley. I will search for another video that I'm going to throw up to you. Not only you, but it's also in the Jumbotron. And it's Ed Reed talking about Lamar Jackson's contract situation. And in turn, he talked about how his own contract struggles with the Ravens impacted how he played football. And I'm curious, you said Orlando Brown looks like he's playing in his own head. I'm curious if this whole contract situation has changed Orlando Brown's uh, approach. You know, maybe he's, uh, whereas he's thinking a little bit more, not just playing freely or, you know, he he knows what he has to lose here with this prove it year or playing with no safety net type of thing. Um, I'll shoot him a little bail and say this eight game stretch, the toughest in NFL history. And you can say that as far as pass rushes are concerned uh, through three weeks or through three weeks. Well, Arizona week one. Uh, Los Angeles week two, and then Indianapolis. Those boys got eaten up, but uh, I, I'm panicked, man. I'm, I'm absolutely panicked there. That was a good segment. Panic or patience. Finish that up. Let's go to Chiefs Bucks. How about that? Indianapolis was week three. Chiefs Bucks week four. Where's this game going to be, Mark? What's your, what's your latest uh, on that? I think ultimately it's going to be played in Minnesota. I mean, based on what I've seen today, the videos down there in Florida, first of all, I hope everybody's staying safe down there. Uh, it, looks, it looks crazy, man. Uh, yeah, it's really wild. And I just can't imagine. I mean, it may clear before then, but still, man, I just think you have to make a decision pretty soon because obviously the Chiefs have to travel, what, Friday or Saturday. So they need to know <laughs> probably within the next 24 hours, I would say. And it just seems like you want to get far away as possible from that. And they were talking about Minnesota would be the replacement city uh, at U.S. Bank. So I do believe ultimately it will be played there. I, th I think it's just a bad look to have a game there um, with all that going on. That community needs to worry about more important things than football. So I think Minnesota is the right move. Yeah, want to echo what you just said. Thinking about everybody down there, I see my buddy Deacon Sheely in here. Reporter down there in Tampa has been following the Bucks. I, I hope everybody down there is safe. That's priority number one. Football is a game. While this is big business, they can find a way to squeeze this game in. They'll move it somewhere. They'll play it where it has to be played. Uh, but these are lives we're talking about. And um, 
it's tough, man. I had family that was impacted by Katrina and it's still, it still impacts us to this day. It's not just a, a, a landfall and, and that kind of thing, but there's stuff afterwards. And yes, it is impacting the Chiefs, but I uh, want to make sure we say that. Um, I, I'm looking at the Wednesday injury report for KC. Limited practice for for Butker, which which you feel good about, right? Yeah, just the fact that he's back, I feel great. Yeah, MVS is is on here as well. We talked about Jones being on there. Uh, as far as it not a concern, if you could have one of these names, it would be Butker. I'm, I'm guessing, but it seems like Casey's relatively healthy. Yeah, I would say so. The only one I think even gives me a little bit of pause is McCole Hardman because we've seen him get rolled up the last couple of weeks. So I'm not exactly sure how much that's affecting him, but uh, he definitely doesn't seem like he he's himself right now. Sir to mention this in our group chat, kind of previewing this game, Chiefs Bucks Sunday night football. You can watch that locally on KSHB 41, your home of the Chiefs, but obviously on NBC. Uh, if, if you're a chief in enemy territory, he mentioned, hey, you know, there's going to there's gonna be a lot of a lot of things that get. Uh, headlines, right, the, between Brady and Mahomes, this rematch, the hurricane, this being um, uh, in Tampa where they won the Super Bowl. But really, the Chiefs offense versus the Bucks defense could be something that decides the game when these two teams match up. It, it, it's a unit that's been struggling for KC Mark versus a unit for Tampa that. Uh, <laughs> looks to be in good shape. And Shaq Barrett, uh, he, he gave you some bulletin board material too. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what he said, I saw you uh, retweet that or whatever. It's very funny because, I mean, if you look at the film from the Colts game, I can see why he may feel that way. But obviously, it's nowhere near true. I mean, four guys from that offensive line at Super Bowl are not even in the NFL right now. <laughs> like let that sink in they're not even in the league anymore four of those guys so obviously it's not the same line not even close this one's much better but they are vulnerable at the tackles position I will say that but the interior I think is top-notch full quote from Shaq Barrett I don't really really think it's too much of a difference I believe he's talking about a difference from when they saw each other in the Super Bowl I think we have a lot of favorable matchups we have an opportunity to really dominate the game to really impose our will as pass rushers and really have a coming out party. I'll throw that up on the jumbotron now. That's a that's a way to beat Kansas City's offense, right? We talk about them needing to stay on schedule in order to succeed. When you're trying to balance the ball out, when you're trying to spread the ball around, running basket touches, intermediate routes, short, small game, open up Kelsey. It's all predicated off staying on schedule. And if the Bucks D line can take advantage of, like you said, Orlando Brown struggling. Um, uh, uh, Wiley struggling, some guys banged up. Uh, it, it can move Mahomes off the spot. It can keep them off schedule. I, I look back at that MVS throw, and I'll try and throw that up on the Jumbotron as well. I mean, a half second off, and, and that can make a difference in a game like this. <laughs> it can absolutely make a difference in a game like this. When the Chiefs have the ball, this is probably the guy who we were just talking about needs to be big time. Yeah, this is a Mahomes go be great game. Like he needs to go out there and I don't think you're getting more than like 24 points against this Bucks defense. That should be the expectation going in and Mahomes figure out a way because you can't run the ball against this defense. They will find a way to snuff out everything against you defensively when it comes to that your running game. And Missouri or the, the Chiefs already are not a particularly good running team. So when you get Missouri neither of them are so, somehow Mizzou's actually a better running team than the chiefs are, but that's, that's not a high bar to clear. Um, this team just, they, they can't do it right now. And their best run blocker in the past has been Trey Smith. He's not right. So against this defensive line, they know what you're trying to do. It's going to come down to Mahomes going out there and making plays. You need Travis Kelsey to go make some big-time plays on third down, which is a problem for this team right now. They have not been good on third down either of the last two weeks. And you need something from one of those complimentary receivers not named Juju Smith-Schuster. I don't care if it's MVS. I don't care if it's McColl. I don't care if it's Sky Moore. But one of them has to step up with some big plays, and they have not done really much of anything the last couple of weeks. See, I can't even go there right now. I told you I'm coming in here hot, fired, and pissed. I'm mad. <laughs> and, 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 and here is more of it. Everything you're talking about, 
this team has invested way too much in their offensive line for them to be having, hey, you got to go do it all on your own, Mahomes. You got to go do it all by yourself. You got to have a go have a go get it Mahomes game. No, this offensive line I have been annoyed with since the preseason. I said it last week. The only way that the Colts defense is going to to give them problems, and we talked about the Gus Bradley style of defense that they should have openings down the field, whatever, is if this if this group up front allows pressure. And what if they do from the jump? I don't give a hot damn what pro football focus grades them out as. Anybody here who watched that game to think that was the second best offensive line, then there had to have been some pathetic, pitiful offensive lines playing all Sunday if the Chiefs were the second best. They allowed pressure all game long. Clyde Edwards-Alaire rushed for a, a nice, toasty zero yards. So they couldn't <laughs> run the ball at all. I mean, I feel like I'm about to go Jim Moore. We couldn't run the ball. We couldn't protect the ball. We couldn't convert a third down. They didn't do nothing. And it's all starting from that offensive line. You can kiss You can kiss everything I got. I hear you with the MVS. He's got to do stuff. I hear you with, with McColl, who was clearly injured. I hear you with all that stuff. But this offensive line, they've invested draft picks, Creed Humphrey, you were supposed to be graded out as maybe the best offensive lineman. Well, you need to show it. Trey, he, he's been good. He's been good. I need to show it enough. Not, not enough. Trey, I don't know if you're injured or what. Something has to turn. But y'all got to do If he's too hurt, then he needs to sit down. And, and Joe Tooney, you're one of the highest paid offensive linemen, offensive guard in football. It's got to be better. And Orlando, you want to get paid like a, th- a top three offensive lineman. And, they, uh, and they're sitting here against San Diego. We got to hold your damn hand and get the ball out in two seconds because we don't have any confidence they're, that, you they're can, in LA now. Wow. That, that you can hold up wherever the hell they are. All right? I'm just saying, this offensive line, they've invested. They've invested trade assets, draft picks, money up and down. The only one that I look at and say, hey, man, you do the best you can, and that's 7-7. All right, 7-7, seven, seven, you go out there and you do the best you can, and he should be the one you're helping. This offensive line has been giving up hits on Patrick Mahomes, the most important piece in the in the organization. They've been giving up hits on him since the damn preseason when nobody's blitzing or doing stunts. They've been getting hit. He's been getting hit. They got to stop this. Now Matt got to go win the game by himself and win the game and try to get the ball out under two seconds because the offensive line stinks. No, nah, I mean, they got to come and give you something. Talk about he got to go win it by himself. They got to give you something. Them jokers I, up front ain't earned it. I hear you, but do you disagree with it? Like, do, do you think that anything is going to be different this week? I don't know if you saw the Shaq Barrett comment on the Chiefs offensive I mean, line. I, that, that's so disrespectful out here Ooh. speaking honestly. That is so disrespectful. I mean, he's speaking honestly, but that's disrespectful as hell. Yes. For anybody listening to this that has not heard the comment. matchups. Oh, my God. He said, uh, in, when comparing the Chiefs' offensive line today to the one that they saw in the Super Bowl, that the Bucks just absolutely destroyed uh, and then made the Chiefs go out and spend every asset possible on their offensive line as a result. He said, quote, I really don't think it's too much of a difference. I think we have a lot of favorable matchups in this game. We have an opportunity to really dominate the game, to impose our will as pass rushers. We can really have a coming out party in this one. End quote. Again, that was Shaq Barrett on the Chiefs' offensive line and the difference between what they are now versus what they were in the Super Bowl whenever they played against them. Who, buddy? Do, do you, you want me just to read off say. the starting five from that Super Bowl? Because I have them right here. Just to illustrate how disrespectful this is from Shaq Barrett, Austin Ryder, Nick Allegretti, Stefan Wisniewski, Andrew Wiley, and Mike Remmers was the Chiefs' starting Mike Remmers, Mike. Mike Remmers, Orlando. That's what he's comparing you to is Mike Remmers. you got to be kidding me. Mike Rimmers, who has two pathetic Super Bowl performances in an, under his belt. All right, he got absolutely worked over by Von Miller. By the way, that's coming soon. And then he and now he's gotten worked over by the Bucks. And now he's comparing you, who you want to get paid as a top three. Well, I mean, Shaq is just coming out to tell you if you don't have any balls, anything between your legs to get yourself ready for this game. Come on, man. Come on. And the and you know what the scary part is, BK. I can get all myself good and hot and fired up and bothered by this. I can do all of this and hear Shaq Barrett say this stuff and have that stuff plashed up against the wall. But the scary part is, BK, and I feel like this is where you're trying to go, is 
is it even possible that they can do better? I, I think it's possible they can do better than the Super Bowl. Like it that was one of be. the worst performances in the, of offensive line play <laughs> that I've ever seen. So like, yes, I, no, I, I I'm, do believe Super, it. I'm talking about better than what they've been putting out right now. Yeah, I'm not talking it, about it, Mike, Mike Rimmer's A. <laughs> I think that's, that's, those are like two different conversations, but can it be better than what it's been so far this year? I mean, I, I think part of why it's been bad this year is because I, I think that Trey Smith is hurt. And I think they just believe that Trey Smith at like 50% is still better than the backup offensive lineman that they've got as a potential replacement for him. So I I kind of think, like in some ways, Barrett's right. I, I do think that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defensive line is going to put a hurt on this offensive line. And one of the things that we're going to see is the Bucs are not afraid to blitz Patrick Mahomes. And what we saw last week is that the Colts were not afraid to run a bunch of stunts and blitz against Patrick Mahomes. The Chargers destroyed this offensive line with a bunch of stunts against Patrick Mahomes. So I I think you're going to see more of the same, and I think the results are going to be pretty similar because we have no reason to believe that they won't be similar. I'm sorry, sir. If this team is going to be a real, legit Super Bowl contender, like they're going to have to hold up against teams like this and, and, and hold up in a, in a fashion to where they can run stuff that allows Patrick Mahomes and this crew to be able to be who they need to be. Right. Yeah. I mean, they, I mean, they, they, they have to, if they can't like that charger game man, that ain't going to work. Like, they, I mean, he's, they, they gotta be able that you can see the game plan. Like what Brady does, get it out in under two seconds that like they got to hold up. Well, and I'm curious because during the Chargers game, it felt like that was the plan out of the gate. Yes. Like like, th- like they never wanted to veer off of that because they were afraid of him taking hits. And so I'd be curious if they try to change that up because it, I feel like it was kind of the same thing against the Colts. And, like, they win that game if it's not for all of just the boneheaded plays and the, the special teams mishaps and whatever. Like. I think that they win that football game, uh, obviously, if, if all that stuff doesn't happen. But this offensive line does have to play better. I don't really understand what PFF's evaluating, like, ranking high as, as high as they are. Because <laughs> if you're watching every snap of every game like we have so far this season, they have not been particularly impressive. Patrick Mahomes has taken a lot of hits. And, 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 it's, and it's been because they're allowing pressure quick, like – He's got dudes in his face right away, and he immediately has to bail out of the pocket. And sometimes we, we've seen Patrick do it when he doesn't have to, but it's because he feels like there's pressure coming on him because he's been under pressure the entire game. So they have to do it. And I, I think that they've found success against this Tampa defense before. I know they're playing really, really good so far this season, but I, I think that they have to do it down the field, and they've got to give Mahomes some protection, and they've got to try to – open things up and get the offense moving with, with Patrick Mahomes arm a little bit. And I think that they can win this game still. 